Welcome to the Village Church Podcast Show, Episode 18. Josh Patterson joined here with Matt Chandler. We got a couple of guests here with us today: Adam Hawkins and JT English. Adam serves as a spiritual formation pastor at the Plano campus here at the Village Church, and former attorney at law. We're going to get into that, huh, bud? You excited? Still an attorney, actually. Really? Oh. I still have my license, so right. I am an attorney. I just don't practice anymore. So. Okay. That's interesting. And then JT English, who is our pastor of training here at the church. Been on the show before. He has, yeah. What episode was that, David? We deleted that one. (laughs) Yeah, that was an old archive. I have no idea. I have no idea. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, Actually, I don't know if I'm looking forward to the conversation. We're going to have a conversation. Uh, It's a little bit of a weighty conversation. But before we get into the main topic of the show, we're going to talk about some things uh, that are real near and dear to the heart, at least of our staff here at the church, about staff retreat. We're going to talk about a little bit about building into a healthy rhythm and a healthy staff culture, why we do a staff retreat, what it is, what's it look like, maybe a few memories. And then we're going to really jump into, in the culture and theology section, the topic of guns and gun control and gun violence and all of that. And so that's the weight of the show. We're going to feel that. And, uh, and I, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be what it is. And so before we jump, before we jump into that, let's, let's be a little bit more in the lighthearted conversation talking about staff retreat and, and what this is, Matt, you want to set this up for us and talk a little well, bit I, about it? You know, f- at the very beginning uh, of my time here, I know at uh, the village, the the earnest desire was to have uh, a staff that was reminded consistently uh, that that before you were called to ministry, before you had any tasks that were tied to a vocational ministry job, you were loved by God, cherished in Christ, and and that's we have a tendency to forget that. Uh, which is why we do restore, and it's why we do staff retreat. So the staff retreat isn't ultimately a working retreat. We have those, but this isn't what that is. Uh, this is the opportunity for us to pull away as a staff and to play together and to laugh together. And so we've done a flag football tournament. We've done the washer tournament. We've when you done, say we've done, meaning we don't do the flag football we, Yes, anymore. we don't anymore. Is that mainly because of you? Uh, I, is that, I prob- is that Some of that could probably be put on me. I don't think all of it could. But some of it, yeah. I'm another, a, show. I'm compa- another show. I'm, another show. I'm competitive. Get on still, that would make now. a good show. You can have a great But we still, we play. There's a lot of basketball that goes on. We, we want to play together. And But you don't have to play. You can just sit around and read Do books. That's what yeah. JT will be doing. Yep. Just be getting books, books, further, books. you know. Got the Amazon people. order yeah, coming in Further removed from people. <laughs> so, um, I so, love you, Josh. So ultimately, this is a time to pull away. And then in the evenings, Somebody shares a testimony, we worship together, we open up the Word of God, and then we just um, commune, I guess, together. So we eat and we laugh, and we uh, it's a good time. Yeah, I think it's important to note just with staff retreat that there, this retreat, we do it once a year, it, there's no strategy, there's no vision casting, there's, there's none of that that's happening in this context. And it's everyone. It's everyone. It's everyone who's on staff. And uh, it, it, it has become, and we've done it, We've done it now for, I don't know, 11 or 12 years. And so it, it is scalable depending on when we first did it, bro. It was, it was us in a car. My uh, Impala, bro. Yeah, heading out. Mm-hmm. And then now it's obviously bigger than that, but the heart of it is still the same. And so I'd love to hear just you two guys, Adam and JT, thinking about last year was your first retreat. And then uh, any thoughts about that? Any ideas? Thinking back about last year's staff retreat, it was literally my second week on staff. So my first thought was, I love being on staff at the Village <laughs> Church. If we're going to do How this we gonna on a regular basis. How are we going to ever get anything done? Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, but but in all seriousness, it was such a good time to get to know the staff, to pull away from getting to know each other in the context of work, but to talk about what the Lord's been doing in their lives and get to know them and why God's called them to ministry. It was uh, it was just incredible. I think it's almost it almost feels like in terms of just relational capital, getting to know each other. I got like a year's worth of getting to know the staff yeah, sure. and each other in one week, which felt like it onboarded my process on a staff. Uh, it, it speeded up the onboard process uh, exponentially. Yeah, and and for me, um, I know that as uh, in the weeks leading up to it, I was I just started getting more and more antsy about having to pull away with the amount of work we had to do. And I I don't know what it is about October. This I've only been on staff for a little over a year now, but last October, which is when, generally when we do staff retreat, was just really. It's busy. October busy. seems to be a full. really it's, full. It's busy because we go on staff retreat. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably, a full week that's out. probably why. Yeah. yeah. Um, but once I got there, um, just the the um, the the formative experience of pulling away and being able to, like you said, get to know people better, but also. Um, um, to just take time to really uh, reflect on the goodness of the Lord um, in the context of, of of our ministry around all of our friends was it's invaluable. It's yeah, really it's invaluable. invaluable. It's, it's it's a place where cultural uh, memories are born and and the culture of the church is is reinforced and all of that. So it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing. I just highly um, implore people to consider this as something uh, for their staffs to really think about. Yeah, there's no doubt. Now, on the, on the large topic for today, I want to try to introduce this in a way that I hope is helpful. Um, we, the context in which we're having this conversation is in Dallas, Texas. Um, I, I am a gun owner. Um, I have a deer rifle. I have a shotgun. I have two pistols. I do hunt. Um, I, I don't when we hunt, we, we keep what we kill. And, and so even like I got an axis buck last year and we're still eating that axis buck. It's delicious. Um, there's a pillow on my couch that is that axis. There's a little rug in front of Reed's bed. That's that axis. We don't, I don't like to just go out and kill things. You know, I, we, we hunt and, and I, I have never thought through the ethical theological implications of being a gun owner. And, and yet, um, in the news and in this area, I mean, uh, so many of the guys that I know here at the church have their CHL. There's a lot of pistols on hips in this community, not not visible, but but concealed, right? And and so there's this ongoing dialogue about the role of guns and uh, the violence that are caused by guns. And and whether you're pro or con or wherever you land, the reality is guns serve a singular purpose. And that singular purpose is to kill, whether that's hunting or I guess you could say protection. But, but what do we mean by protection? We mean either as a deterrent or as... So we're trying to tackle this issue, and I don't think we're going to get the issue to the ground, but what I think can be helpful about it is because our conviction is being worked out, maybe just the four of us having this conversation uh, will be helpful because I, I know, like, I can speak for myself that I'm I'm not sure. I don't have my CHL. I don't want the option of being able to pull it, but I am a gun owner. They are in my house. They are locked in a safe, They and and so I'm I, I want us to have this conversation because I think um, it, we can do it without the kind of amplified emotionalism that tends to follow this around. Those who would argue uh, for guns and those who would argue against guns are really trying to argue the same thing. They, they just are going about it differently. I, if I can oversimplify it, 
I think that the one who is the one who is against guns uh, in in or stricter gun control. Let me put it that way. The one is for who is for stricter gun control is saying, "I want the government to protect me from violent crime," and the one that is for real loose gun control is saying, "I can protect me best from violent crime." And and so the the two sides seem so far apart, but they really, if you if you can kind of clear away the rhetoric. That what they both want is less violence and to be protected from violence. Uh, they, they want innocent people to be protected. Um, and, and so I thought we could have this conversation. So, um, Josh, you were saying earlier that, that you're a bit uncomfortable about having this conversation right now. And so why don't you flesh out again why in light of other shows that we've done on other issues right. that are, can be controversial? Yeah, my, my discomfort in this probably stems just from the context that you just described because I'm in the same place. I, born and raised in Texas, that context influences how I see things, and I have to filter that through a theological grid. Uh, so like you, I'm a gun owner. I have guns. I hunt. Uh, I, th- everything that you just described. But when I, when I begin to kind of think about this situation uh, and gun violence, gun control, gun ownership, all of these things, there's so many nuances to it. There's so many um, things to consider and a weight of it that I have not given ample consideration to probably the way that I should have, honestly, because I don't know all of the questions that I need to ask. And and therefore, my conviction around it probably isn't as theologically informed as it needs to be, because honestly, it's a lot more complex. Even in thinking about this show and in our kind of pre-show conversation, it it's not simple. It's not as clear as it as it might be. It's not as clear as a constitutional right of the Second Amendment. Uh, that that's a constitutional reality. I want to think yes, constitutionally as an American, but I also want to think as a Christian. Yeah. And that's my primary worldview that I want to think about this through. And that because that isn't as formed around this specific topic and all of its implications, I just feel the weight of that. And so what I. What I want to introduce into the conversation here um, is this, because, Matt, what you just described is these two sides who have, honestly, a, a kind of a strange common goal that they may not be able to see together, is this conversation is oftentimes, especially, I don't want to say that, is oftentimes devoid of empathy for those who have been affected yeah. by gun violence. Mm. So they're the reality of violence is there's a victim. There's somebody on the other end of that. And oftentimes this conversation is had devoid of the victim, devoid of the one who's been perpetrated against, devoid of a community that's suffering at the hands of this type of violence and those types of things uh, where I I just want to be sensitive to that, that people are passionate about gun control because they don't want to see some of this madness continue. That's exactly right. And that, amen, I don't either. Uh, I don't want to see that either. And so that's where it all, it just feels real weighty for me. I mean, I'm, I'm right now I'm feeling the weight of this as I'm thinking about I'm a gun owner. I, I have these things, but I care about people desperately. Yeah. I mean, I care about people. And so, you know, we, we said at the beginning, Adam, uh, you, you have a unique background here in this. You were a public defender for 
uh, a number of years. You're, as you reminded us, still an attorney, <laughs> and um, and so you have you have seen this from a different angle than most of us have been involved. And so I think your perspective is helpful. It's certainly helpful for me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just to be clear, I, I'm kind of in the same boat you guys are. I, I didn't think about this issue very much at all. I, I grew up um, mainly in the South, a little bit all over, but but have been around guns, um, uh, you know, enjoyed shooting guns growing up, have been hunting, enjoy hunting, think it's in, in – um, incredibly uh, informative and important thing to do um, and, and as it relates to being a good steward of the environment. As we were talking about earlier, you know, hunters are um, some of the most concerned, some of the most concerned people about conservation. They are very connected to nature and to food, their food source, how we go about getting food. I mean, it's very, um, it, it's, it's uh, different um, than being just in the city and, and, you know, going and picking up food from, you know, a steak. Uh, that's a very different experience from, from really knowing how, how, what it's like to look at an animal and, and know what it's like to kill an animal and then, and then get your food source from them. So I think there are very good things you learn, um, from that. But, and so that was, that was my only, um, I guess that was my only picture of guns, um, growing up. Uh, but then as a public defender, what I saw was um, the effect that guns, ha- gun violence had on very specific communities. And so um, what bothered me when I saw that was often those most affected by gun violence really don't have the voice in setting the policy um, for uh, for how, how to be protected from gun violence. And here's what I mean by that. So we discussed earlier, but you know, the, the fact that for African-Americans, the leading under 44, the leading cause of death is gun violence. I mean, I think that's something to think about. Um, and, and, mo- and most often they, they're not the ones who get to speak to um, their leaders about, yeah. about how to deal with that issue. So just I, I think there were being um, exposed to that forced me to think a little bit differently about how I had experienced guns um, previously. Is, is there... So we think so to take your 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 point right there about sometimes those who are the most keenly affected by this type of violence may not have the voice of advocacy in the way to to cry out and say help laws need to change something needs to happen here I mean you you can look at the city of Chicago and see it it is it's a disaster zone yeah. right now. It's it's terrifying. As as we're looking and kind of stepping back and thinking about this particular topic, what I think is important is to add that weight into it, mm-hmm. so that the picture does broaden for for the hunter to think it's not. We're not just talking about hunting. That that there's more to this story. And I think as, as my discomfort, honestly, has grown, is that I'm seeing the story in a little bit more of a full and clear way, although it's not clear for me yet. Um, but those, those pieces are important to add a sobriety and a weight to it that forces me to think about it in a way that, that honestly oftentimes we just have a quick reaction. Yeah. We just have a quick opinion. Mm-hmm. We have, and we're divided down, we're red or we're blue. And, and it's just that. JT, give us, what, what, what do Christians need to be thinking about 
because Christians primarily need to be thinking about Christian story, Christian doctrine, Christian belief. Like, how does all of this fit and need to flow from a worldview that we're thinking about that's a bit more cohesive? Those are all great questions, Josh. And let me just kind of throw my hat into the the ring where it feels like all of you guys are of figuring out this topic in the midst of kind of an angst and an anxiety and a frustration, which, which why isn't this clearer to me? Or why isn't this clearer to somebody else? Why is there kind of confusion and gray area? So before we even begin as Christians or perhaps as Americans in our context to have the conversation about policy, I think the first conversation is about posture. What is the, the posture of Christians towards violence and towards peace, right? So I think everybody, as Matt made mention at the very beginning of this, the posture of Christians, whether they be kind of pro, uh, you know, uh, policy and wanting to, to see more policies enacted towards gun, gun control, their posture is one of, of wanting to pursue peace. Uh, and the same thing is true of those who are perhaps pursuing, uh, pursuing uh, less policy being enacted. Uh, they want peace. And I think that's a biblical posture, right? So we see in the Garden of Eden, a place of perfect peace. The the city Jerusalem uh, in the in the Old Testament before it was destroyed it, that literally means the city of peace. We see in the New Testament that, that Jesus is our peace. And in Revelation twenty one and twenty two, we see that this new peace will come uh, down out of heaven, uh, destroying all things that have been violent and, and ridding us from this madness of which we often are all crying out, "Help! Help us out of this madness!" So, I think the first thing we need to think about is is peace. And and most often, I think something that can get overlooked in this conversation for Christians uh, is how the entire Bible describes the gospel. And one of the one of the themes that the prophets are using over and over and over and over again, specifically Isaiah, is how instruments of destruction, instruments of violence, will eventually be turned into instruments of, of cultural cultivation. So, for example, swords will be turned into plowshares. And so whether you're on the side of the debate that says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more of a pro-gun uh, ally or, or I'm, I'm more of wanting more policy enacted, the goal eventually is that these tools will be used for cultural cultivation, not for the purpose of violence done to the other. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I, so again, I, I think in, in some sense it does. I'm, I'm, I don't, I lack the knowledge to which is why I think this podcast show is so unique is yeah. we're sitting here trying to figure this out together. Right. Um, so I hope this is helpful as you listen. But um, I'm, I'm wondering, did the sword in, in the time of the prophets have any other function uh, other than war and, and death and defense? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think about, I, so I have a 300 Win Mag, and I use that to hunt deer. Yeah. Um, a, and in that, my son and I, we've got to buy license. Those licenses actually go to um, efforts for conservation and the build out of parks, and, and it goes to all sorts of things. And and then what we shoot, we keep. Like I said, for for almost a year now, uh, we've had Axis steak, used hamburger. It's, it's not hamburger, right? It's it's Axis mixed with some taro, but. Um, sausage. I mean, we, the, I mean, we've, in in some sense, I, I would look at the three hundred Win Mag and go, I I don't know that this is a tool of destruction, mm-hmm. in the same way that maybe a sword was in the time of the prophets. But I, I, you know, I preface that with going, I don't maybe maybe they're identical, and I just haven't done. Because, no. Like I said, I haven't done the kind of research. Well, what what was a sword used for yeah. during the time of the prophets? Always besides? in the context of of those verses being quoted, it's specifically in the context of war. war. I mean, so and, Isaiah is and saying, maybe even not just war, but but unjust sure. 
Yeah, so this isn't this is not, you know, a sword being used to cut down wheat or something yeah. like that. This is this is in the context of nation will not rise up against nation anymore. They yeah. won't learn war, they'll learn peace. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, the Christian posture should be ones towards however these instruments are going to be used, that they be used for, for those purposes, right? Not used to war against one another. Okay, so let me press here because I'm, I'm and I'm pressing from a posture Adam. of ignorance. So hear <laughs> this. This is, I'm trying to learn here. And for the Christian, thinking about what you just said, JT, of the, of the, of the sword is going to be turned into a plowshare, that that's this eschatological hope. That's what's happening down the road, and there is an angst for that to happen. There's mm-hmm. a longing for that to happen. Uh, I think all of us here right now want that to happen. Yep. That's a good day. Right. How then do we live now? I mean, that's the question, so, isn't it? Yeah, but, and, that, and, that, and, and I think yeah. that's the rub. That's the So I think I live, I want to live in such a way that I'm preparing for that day. That's right. And w- working towards that day, not in, the, not in a strange eschatological view of working towards that day, but just knowing that this is what's coming and I want to live in light of that day. I want to be a man of peace. Yeah, me too. So, but what does that, what does that mean? Yeah, that's the question. And that's the question I think we're all trying to answer for ourselves individually. All of us have families. All of us have young kids. All of us, I mean, one of my number one priorities is make sure that they're safe and protected and cared for. And I know that that's true for each one of you. So I think, I think that's why this conversation is helpful for me is this conversation shouldn't be done in isolation, you know, just with me, myself and, and my emotional thoughts. That's why I think this is helpful. Um, I, I guess I just want to say, um, r- related to that specifically is you're right. We're living in a time where the, the kingdom is, is not yet, but we're also in some sense living with a kingdom inaugurated in Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to say that it's just future. Let's just wait until until the kingdom comes in its in its fullness. But in some sense, we're living now as citizens of that kingdom because it's not like our citizenship changes when Jesus comes again. We're we're already citizens of this kingdom and already heirs of this kingdom, and called to respond in accordance. I'm not making the case, therefore, that we shouldn't be gun owners. I'm just saying it's with that posture that we begin to have to have these kinds of conversations. And then what? Uh, I, I guess that's where that's the that's where like, I feel you know that's depending where I, on yeah. it, is it so let me ask this question it are we in when we talk about guns and gun ownership and all the other things that go with that and I mean gosh it it can get like and we've said this repeatedly is a com- really complex issue right this isn't as clean as people want to make it I, I think it was an Atlantic article I read this week that was saying anyone who um, Anyone who owned a gun, you know, should have to be shot by that gun in order to, you know, it was based off of Chris Rock spoof where <laughs> Chris Rock was just saying, make bullets $5,000 a piece because that would right. take care of it, right? Nobody's going to put $50,000 into a person they hate. And <laughs> uh, and and so in 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 the end, what what I'm saying is, are, are, we, are we thinking, is this subject one that in some ways is going to boil down to conviction and Christian freedom and... Is there a speaking biblically? This is what the Word of God says a as a way directive. that kind of lays as a blanket over the people of God, or is this a matter of conviction? And because here, I have 
brothers that I love deeply who we have both gone to the scriptures and we have wrestled, not right. this issue, but pick another issue. Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to pick an issue, um, <laughs> but we have wrestled and, and, and we have come to different conclusions right. that don't make either one of us non-Christians, right? Absolutely. In essential belief, we have unity. Um, and, and then there are these secondary matters that we would disagree on. We're still passionately in love with Jesus, passionately Christians, but we just see these things differently. And, and I, I believe that this is one of those issues, but again, I'm, I'm saying that as someone who's just now starting to go, I, I might need a theology of this, Mm -hmm. um, a, a way of thinking that's kind of a biblical understanding of, I think what JT was alluding to is a, a tool of violence, um, which, which I mean, I think there's some things there for that. And then, I, and then you could hear me push a little bit like, I don't know. I don't know if the sword uh, would equate the my deer rifle. Right. Um, but so I, I'm wondering um, if this isn't an issue of Christian freedom and conviction. Because I – and I never want to throw that card out there a lot because I think it makes – people theologically lazy. Right. And that's another reason I think this is a good conversation to have, even though all this is so wet concrete. I mean, I, people are probably going to be like, oh, thank goodness they're going to help me think about this. And I, I don't know that we are, other than you'll turn this podcast off with a lot of questions that we haven't solved. But I, if, there is, if there is a wrestle towards understanding this in light of being the people of God um, in a Genesis 3 world, where we are citizens of a kingdom that's not fully inaugurated, but it, but it's here. Uh, you know, we're in the, that already not yet. We're not naive to the reality of the world I live in. So I, I know the kingdom's coming, but I'm not going to walk through downtown Chicago at three in the morning, right? I'm just not going to do that. So I, I know that there's this day that Jerusalem, right, the city of peace is established, but I also know that city of peace isn't here yet in, in that way. And so I'm going to make some decisions based on that knowledge that aren't naive, that are rooted in my understanding of the world that I live in. And, and so I, I'm wondering if this issue for all its complexities about, you know, how many rounds in a clip is enough? Why would you need a silencer? What kind of, you know, why assault rifles? Do you really need a gun that that's that powerful? Is it, you know, those kind of questions. I, I do wonder if if it falls into this category of convictional thinking around the Word of God that that's up to Christian freedom, so that I don't and, and I'm going to have to study and wrestle this and continue to have these kind of conversations. But I certainly don't. I, I do not feel the freedom to stand up with the Word of God and and take a hard position uh, on this. I I do think I could argue some things out of wisdom, um, but but I don't think I could I could argue. And, and feel confident in in any text that I currently know well that this is what you should absolutely do. And Adam brought up a good point earlier um, where, where the topic was this. For Christians, this doesn't primarily need to be a question of can we, because can we has been settled, and, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the, the settlement of can we. Constitutionally, uh, the right to bear arms That's is right. there. And I'm not a constitutional lawyer. None of us are. We're yep. not going to get into that. But the can we question, if at its fundamental level, is settled. It's stated. It's, it's solved. It's stated. Yeah. However you want to answer that in yeah. attorney talk. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think it's. I think the question of can we um, right now as it stands is answered. We can. And what? But what's unsettling me is the should question. I, what? How should 
Christians think about this. So let's do this just quickly. Yeah. Let's just kind of rapid fire some topics that Christians need need to be thinking about in light of this. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're saying this. We don't have a clear answer yet. I, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. I think Matt's onto something with the freedom. There's not a clear textual look at this verse right here in this chapter for a clear directive. But there is there is a sense of freedom in this. But as we're walking through and navigating what that freedom is, how do we need to be thinking with a heart that's postured with humility and charity so that we don't become kind of a soundbite answer and yeah. a visceral responder to this, but that we have, we've got some depth to that conviction. So here are some things. Just I'm just off shooting from the hip here. That's a bad – that wow. just came out. Wow. I'm just going to – I think it was great. Was it good? Yeah, yeah it was great. Uh, it was unintentional. Okay. So Imago Day issues. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. Protection issues. Mm-hmm. So called to protect my family, called to protect our home. There are issues of considering uh, the under-resourced and under-privileged. Uh, consider what, – what, what else is there – and this is where I want you guys to chime in – just quickly, what are the other topics we need to be thinking about here? What are the other issues? JT mentioned the kingdom. What's the, the, the inauguration of the kingdom now and then the future kingdom? What else? I think, I think one of the important things that we've already mentioned here is, um, is not to be dismissive. So one of the things that can sometimes be disappointing is that um, we can be dismissive about this issue. Sometimes Christians are the first to say, oh, I don't want to talk about uh, this is a closed-hand issue, and it's off the table. And so I think one of the things to really think about and talk about is um, uh, is really to look at the statistics, is to, I think, another thing to look at is, and, and so when I say statistics, I mean, think about ways that maybe gun control policy could could maybe, and I don't know, it could, but look and see if it could reduce violence. And if it can, then I don't think our answer should should be to dismiss that outright or to or to run away from it or not discuss it. I think we should be willing to open-handedly say, interact yeah, interact with it. Um, so, so look at things like suicide. Look at things like mental illness. Look at things like domestic violence. Look at how... Um, how gun laws affect those those the rates of that, but also just how they affect um, those people, those how they affect th- those communities, right? Um, battered women. And so the empathy needs to enter back needs into, to this enter back into conversation the conversation. Again. Exactly. You just mentioned the two that I was going to mention: suicide in particular, but then also issues of domestic violence. Those are issues that the church yeah. historically hasn't spoken all that. Well, I guess there has been instances of clarity, but I think we need to speak much more often. I mean, these are things that are just epidemics that are living in our communities, and and these are not unrelated issues. Yeah, so let me just say this as I start to close us out. As we have these conversations and as we have this dialogue, uh, whether you're um, kind of hardline one way or the other, the general rule for Christian conversation and even Christian disagreement is charity, charity, charity. And and so we, we can't let these conversations become these kind of dividing wedge that that breaks us apart or or has our allegiance 
to some faction uh, rather than our allegiance to the 59 one another's that we see in the New Testament, to love one another and care for one another, show deference to one another. And, and on and on I could go. These are the vows of the church to herself. And so if this podcast leads to discussions with your, um, your crazy uncle um, in you know, the woods of Oregon that has a stockpile of weapons and you know, is waiting for the zombie apocalypse, I, I think just have that conversation in a way that's charitable. And, and if it's the other side, side of things and and you think like I mentioned the Atlantic piece you think everybody should take a bullet before they uh, before they're able to then we need to just have this conversation in in a way that's charitable and and shows respect and love for one another as the people of God and so I again I'm I so don't know if this was helpful at all, but at least as a primer, and even as you see us having this conversation, I hope it would encourage you to dive into these conversations that we shouldn't shy away from, that we should enter into and have the conversation on. And so hopefully you've enjoyed episode 18 of the Village Church Podcast Show. Uh, we will be back in two weeks. I'm really excited about our next guest. Uh, Josh Zach Eswine will be joining us. Be uh, awesome. I have been yeah. uh, deeply impacted yeah, by his writings and his view of life. And so, uh, so join us in two weeks for episode 19 with Zach Eswine.